Hi, this week I want to talk about what's actually happening inside the body and the reactions and why this is happening. It might be why you're reacting out of character and link it in and talk about, it's sort of linked into last week, maybe looking a little bit deeper within. Welcome to the Mindfuckery podcast, which is featured in Feedspot's top 10 of emotional abuse podcasts. I'm your host, Elizabeth, and in here we explore areas others fear to tread. I'm the founder of The Divorce Sanctuary and creator of Wound Talking and The Original Wound. I'm also author of Finding Lily, The A to Z of Emotional Abuse and Divorce Matters. I've been a woundologist for over 20 years, working with past life wounds, clearing ancestral trauma and working with this life wounding. And it's through my own personal journey I know how much this hurts and how confusing life becomes. So many questions, no real answers. And I'm on a mission to help and educate as many people as I can on the effects of trauma on our lives and our children's lives and helping them heal the wounds of our mothers and our fathers. It stops here, it stops now and it stops with us. So welcome along for the journey of a lifetime. And you are very, very welcome. I managed to get my voice back, managed to shift most of my cold and firing on three out of four cylinders. I don't know. Um, This week, as I said, I really want to talk about what's happening inside the body, the reactions. A lot of the work that I've done over the last 20 years is about wounds and about vibration and how we can heal and hold a higher vibration. It might sound weird to you, but if you understand what's actually going on and why you're behaving in the way you are you can heal on such deep level repair the damage so why do we react and behave out of character and what's happening to that decision making process and there are four letters one word fear f-e-a-r and to me that's forgive evaluate and repair wounds are key this whole relationship our first seven to eight years play a huge role in why we don't leave why we hang on why we commit to this relationship why we allow the abuse to happen why we overlook the red flags and i want to look at and talk about vibration and i don't know whether you've ever seen uh, maybe a big base speaker and someone's put salt on it you can go and look them up there's loads of little videos of vibration and you can see with the grains of salt how the pulse and the vibration then create a pattern someone that I've been following for oh gosh over a decade I think maybe yeah over a decade is Dr. Emoto. Dr. Emoto did science experiments with water and it was his belief that human consciousness could affect the structure of water and from what I can remember he was doing some work with healing the waters and lakes that had been contaminated in Japan and he with his his experiments he was able to freeze the water in a certain way and he would take things like words And he would look at the structure of the water crystal. So he would take words like fear, hate, anger, and he'd write them on a piece of paper and put them over the top of the water. And he would then freeze them and then look at the crystals under a microscope and 
they would be deformed, they'd be maybe discoloured. And he did the same with words like love, peace. He used, another one was Hitler, was an angry one. War was another one. He played music to the water. It's absolutely fascinating. There's some beautiful, beautiful images and people have created YouTube videos on them. You can go and look them up, find one and put a link in the description. Now, working on this basis of water and vibration, and this is work that I was doing back in about 2013 to 2016, 17. If you think about our bodies, our bodies are full of water. Our bodies are made up of, I think it's about 80% water. So the effect that our surroundings, the effect that the words that we hear, the words that we repeat on a daily basis, the words that vibrate within us. So this could be happening within us. And when we are in a relationship where we're being devalued, we are being put down continuously, that pattern loops around. About 11 years ago, I wrote a course called Let's Build Confidence. And when I was doing some of the research, I discovered that we can have up to 60,000 thoughts a day. Now, if all of those thoughts are negative, imagine taking the work that Dr. Emoto was doing. Imagine what's going on in our body. And as I said, wounds and childhood are key because this is where we might have heard some of the words. This is where we might have heard some of the statements. This is where we might have witnessed what was going on in an unhealthy environment. Somebody who is grounded, who is self-assured, who has a good sense of self, who has a good and positive and strong self-esteem is going to experience someone who's emotionally abusive in a different way to another person who has been told that they're worthless, that has maybe not even been acknowledged in a family unit. And a relatively healthy or a healthier person is going to go, oh, I don't like it when you speak to me like that. It makes me feel weird inside. I get a reaction within my body and I'm not really liking this. So they might end the relationship quite early. An emotionally abusive person will test and see the reaction to how they say things, to how they behave. And if it's taken in a way from somebody who's relatively healthy, they will know to move on. They find someone who's very forgiving, who takes the blame for everything, who believes everything is their fault. That is creating an environment, an ideal environment for them. They can get away with the behavior that they are used to getting away with and they can drain that person dry. They can know that they can do virtually anything to them and they will be forgiven for it. Now, what does that say to someone? Because the emotionally abusive or person who's higher up on the narcissistic spectrum is very insecure. They're being validated at the same time that they're carrying out this abuse. And this is why for me it's crucial that we are able to look at and process our wounds. A child that is in a family unit that has, say, a covert uh, parenting style where there's a person that there's something going on in their life that's negative, a person that is, is projecting out their own wounding and getting people to feel sorry for them 
and they say that they want help but actually they don't it's their way of getting attention and it's their way of being validated that child as they grow into adulthood might have picked up wounds they might have be projected wounds they might have wanted to save that parent they might have witnessed that parent projecting out these wounds and saying oh woe is me life is hard and wanting their other parent to step in and help them and so they take on the role of savior i'm going to save you I'm going to save this person. I'm going to save my parent, whether it be a mother or whether it be a father. I'm going to save you because you weren't saved. You weren't saved by your parents. These are all subconscious. Subconscious messaging is going on and filtering through. You're not being looked after in the way you deserve to be looked after. And I, as a child, am going to do that. And you're not able to do that because this person, using this covert way of getting attention, doesn't want to be saved they don't want their life to change because if they are saved it means they have to face their own wounding their own damage and it serves them in no way by doing that they have to take responsibility for their life it might be particularly if they're on the narcissistic side that they haven't had and gone through the developmental stages of a child they never separated from their parent they never separated from their mother they weren't able to individualize to be a singular person that didn't happen to them they don't know how it is to function as a whole person you're never going to save that person but we go on with this wounding into adulthood. Somebody matches that person. They match up. And I've been here before. I wasn't able to save my parent, but I'm going to focus and save you. But you're faced with a person who is abusive to you and doesn't want saving. What they want is attention and validation. And when you've run out of it and you're exhausted, they move on to somebody else. And this is why this wounding is crucial to understand, to understand, because once you start to heal, you start to reparent. It might be that you get the parenting through your own healing that you never experienced. And then you start to set boundaries. And then when somebody presents themselves behaving, woe is me, life is hard, you know, look at the shit hand I've been dealt, excuse my language. And the vibration within the body is, oh, this doesn't feel right. Oh, this feels like I'm being manipulated by someone. Oh, it might not be those words. It was just might be an emotion. And this is why our vibration is so important to understand, understand. As I said, if you've seen something like, I'll try and find a video and link that in the description as well. If you've seen things like salt dancing on speakers, you'll see the patterns. There was one that I saw the other day. I'll try and find that one. It was absolutely beautiful. It was a Michael Jackson song. I can't actually remember. It might be Thriller. And it was done with some sort of hose or something. And as the music, a certain part of the music, the, the water was vibrating in such a beautiful dancing way. And then when the music changed slightly, it was as if the 
the water was being drawn back in to the pipe that it was coming from or the, the nozzle that it was coming from. This vibration is going on in our body. And we might pick up when we're in a relationship that something is wrong. We don't know what that is, but we might have experienced it before. It's a feeling maybe of being unsafe. Our world is about to change. And we then go in and do everything on a subconscious level to change to make sure that change doesn't happen through fear and in our head in our mind in our brain in our skull we've got these two tiny tiny little seahorse type structures that's what they look like they sit either side of the ear they're called the hippocampus this is where our short term memory goes this is it goes in and it gets processed probably filtered out do I need to know this and then oh that was a really nice experience I love that I'm going to hold on to that emotion so research shows that the hippocampus is smaller and it's less active in people who've experienced trauma it actually starts to close down it's our bodies are so amazing and they have this built-in protection they feel they're under threat your body doesn't tell you you're under threat. You might see something hurtling towards you or you might see someone's fist coming towards you and you know you're under threat. But a lot of the time they're picking up on cues around us. You're on alert, particularly when you've actually come out of an emotionally abusive relationship. You are looking, or physically actually, uh, looking around you on alert all the time for danger. You're looking out for danger. So your body automatically does that. You don't walk into a room and think, oh, I'm going to check this is safe. Your body's automatically doing this. The hippocampus closes down. It starts to slow down. It doesn't retain the information. It doesn't hold on to information. It's doing it to protect the hippocampus so it doesn't get damaged any further. The hippocampus is our memory and our problem solving. It helps us distinguish between past and present. It's part of the limbic system. It's involved, as I said, in memory making. It's involved in learning and it's involved in emotions. The largest job it has is to take the short-term memories and transform that or transfer that data as if it was processing the data into long-term memories or storage within our brain. And so it plays a role also in our emotional processing, which includes anxiety and avoidance behavior. So it might be coming out of the emotionally abusive relationship that your hippocampus has gone into hibernation. It's protecting what's there, what's left. Then what happens? How do you process short-term memory? How do you process your emotions? How do you deal with things? It's like living in a suspension. And it can feel like an out-of-body experience. And when triggered, and it might be a while after the relationship is over, and this is, can also be happening in the relationship. So just in the relationship, and if the hippocampus has gone into hibernation, it's protecting you from the abuse that is happening. You know somewhere in your body you might have spotted the red flags, but these red flags can be internalized. You might be feeling something isn't right. You might be feeling that the relationship has shifted. You might be feeling that there's something else going on that you don't know. You might pick up and it might not be a thought process. You just feel off. One of my experiences was 
when I ran out of money, I felt a whole shift. There were other times when I I thought there was infidelities going on and I got accused of over-dramatising. It was all in my head. I can't actually think of the words now that were being used at the time. You always do this. Um, you always accuse me of this. But the behaviour and the feeling I had in my body. And I remember actually at one point, it was coming to the end of the relationship and I had more courage, I think would be the word. Um, I felt I was able to say something that I might have, I was scared to say earlier um, when I was living in fear, I was frightened of what was going to happen. My whole world was about to collapse and I was desperately clinging on as much as I could. And I remember saying to my now ex-husband but it was it wasn't wrong before you're saying to me that I'm always wrong and I'm always accusing you but it was when I felt like this I was it I was always right there was always something going on I can't remember whether he said anything or he just like deflated slightly because he couldn't argue with it because I was right and I have no proof but I'm fairly sure there was something going on with one or maybe a few people and the behavior and the change and what was happening in my body was this desperation or that's what it felt. The vibration felt desperate. It was like a child, a small child wondering what they've done wrong and why they weren't getting the attention that had been bestowed on them before. It's like, what have I done wrong? Not knowing that this wasn't about me, but taking on that responsibility because that's what I'd always done. And I'd been told that was my role. And that might not have been verbally in the way people behaved around me. And what they showed me in early childhood was that other people were more important than I was. And it's these messages that get then taken through into adulthood. So in that relationship and others, I've always wondered why it was my fault and why I wasn't good enough, what I had done wrong. And I always analysed my behaviour. And I took that messaging forward into my parenting. So this fear is ingrained from an early age. These wounds are created from a very early age. And the three core wounds are abandonment, betrayal and shame. And in emotionally abusive relationships, shame runs like a thread through everything, every single scenario. And I can't say enough about being aware of this, being aware of the wounding, being aware of that child that just needed reassurance, that needed to hear something. And this is the thread that runs through the work that I do with the original wound, with honest conversations and through my quantum glow work and wound talking. It's crucial, I believe, that we can calm down this system, that we can take control of our nervous system. We can allow ourselves to feel what's going on in our body. And when you start to wake up, I actually had a conversation with somebody yesterday. She was on a course that I was running with a friend of mine. And she said that, well, one, how it changed everything and some the work that she did and was able to do and see within her the change that she was able to make in her own life so powerful and so positive the polarity work 
but so this is key for me it's healing the wounds it's it's not saying this is your fault but it's taking responsibility for the role you played as a small child is it your fault that your parent is standing there yelling at you telling you all the things that you do wrong or putting a sibling in front of you and saying this person is more important than you are and therefore you take a, a step back and believe that every relationship it's not an equal role you don't deserve to be equal to somebody else those as a small child aren't your responsibility it's not your fault that that happened to you but it's a learning what you can do is get to a point and say I'm going to take responsibility for everything now I'm going to take responsibility for the role that I played in that relationship I didn't know at the time what was happening but I do understand and I'm starting to understand and want to learn about this or I want to heal these wounds. And it's such a powerful place to be. And this is why I believe these relationships are showing us and teaching us so much. They are painful experiences at the time, but the growth coming out of them is amazing and life-changing. And the work particularly with the Honest Conversations is about transforming what's going on, these 60,000 conversations or words that we have with ourselves every day and challenging them and asking, is that true? So start, and this is quite easy because you don't have to commit to anything. Start by using the vibration, using how you feel to make decisions. And it can be, do I go left or right? Do I buy a packet of salt and vinegar crisps or cheese and onion crisps? salt and vinegar all the time do I go for a walk or do I sit and watch another episode of whatever it is that you're watching do I meet this person do I fight my corner over something or do I let it go do I say something to this person that keeps being rude to me or do I let it go start tuning into your body and seeing whether you feel threatened whether you feel safe whether you've got the words, because again, coming out of this, sometimes the words don't come easily, your brain shut down, you're slowly waking it up, put in place some really good practices like grounding and breathing and journaling so that you're helping to process. Journaling is such a perfect, again, I'll put the link below, is such a perfect activity because you can do it on waking, which I think is the best time to do it. Before you've got up and made your coffee, before you've done anything, cleaned your teeth, been to the bathroom, just write, have a notebook next to the bed and just write anything. Just start with anything. Um, I've got a free download which has got 34 journaling prompts so you could use that as 34 daily prompts so you could do one a week for 34 weeks and use the same prompt every day and see what the answer is but with journaling you're writing and I think writing out by hand is so powerful but you're processing and it might be that memories come up and you write a memory down and then another memory comes up and you write that down you're starting to allow your body to feel safe it's in a safe environment where it can start to put the words together it can start to see the patterns and you might start to see oh wow actually I didn't deserve this I did not deserve to be treated in this way the person that I might still be trying to save even though I'm not in the relationship or the person I desperately want that attention from that I'm not in the relationship 
you can start to validate yourself. What journaling might bring up also, and if I sound slightly different, is because the end of the podcast for some reason has disappeared. So I'm having to record what I remember I said at the time. Maybe I wasn't supposed to say what it was. I don't know. And I I need to say something different. When you are in these relationships, when you're journaling, you start to see the patterns. And it might be that you start to see the pattern of the abusive partner. You might start to see the pattern that you are now joining that line of crazy exes, that you can see the pattern of their behavior and realize the manipulation that took place. The inner child that needs desperately needs healing from you might be the one, as I said, you know, that, that's reaching out, that, that what did I do wrong? Why am I not good enough? Particularly if the abuser has moved on to someone else, please know that that person is living in a very similar relationship. They are walking on eggshells. They are experiencing the same behavior. It might be slightly modified, but they will be going through their own version of what you went through. You might be left with wounds of not feeling good enough. Whatever it was that you experienced, perhaps in childhood, that led you to stay in that relationship, that led you to believe that maybe you could save that partner that, you know, because you couldn't save your parent. These relationships teach us so much and we can heal on a level that perhaps nobody has healed before. They show us and guide us. The pain is an indication of what we need. The reaction is an indication of the healing that needs to take place, of the age of the child that you were hurt. It might be that you're experiencing a wound of betrayal or abandonment. Think about the ages that are hurting. Think about the children that represent you that are hurting or your childhood that are hurting. They just might need a little tiny bit of reparenting. And for some others, it might go a lot deeper than that. But I promise you, if this is something that you're interested in, it is not a painful process. The work that I do is not about reliving and experiencing the pain. It's very gentle and very beautiful. And it's life-changing. Gain the power back that you might have misplaced. And the one thing that I will, I have spoken about this before uh, with wounding is some abusers are able to project their wounds onto you. And this is my belief. It's my something I experienced. And I found those projected wounds that I thought were actually mine because I've been told that they were mine were easy to remove. It was the older ones that I'd picked up in childhood. Those were the more deep-rooted ones, but they were the life-changing ones. The ones that I've been given, the ones that have been projected onto me, and it's as simple as we're so alike, you and me, we've got the same wounding, we're mirroring, and, and then that becomes your weakness and the focus becomes on you and that is your wound. It's like it's been given to you as if the abuser is giving it as a gift or they're trying to find a similarity and a wounding. I hope this has been useful in some way. I hope it's helped you. Um, As always, I'm sending you loads and loads of love until next time.